Brother Thornton, thank you, even in the midst of your frog in your throat, and uh, just try not to croak in the middle of service, okay? Let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn together to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. <clears throat> had uh, Norfolk Regional Center uh, this afternoon and had a good time with, uh, with those uh, men that are there. And uh, they are always, a um, couple of them especially, are always on the edge of their seats. And uh, uh, I think maybe I've shared with you before, I don't know. Brother Rob and I, we've been rotating different weeks. And this week I, uh, I was over there speaking. And uh, there was one particular time that uh, some of the men came in and they said, oh, it's you. <laughs> we were thought Rob was going to be here. I said, thanks, you know. Right? So uh, they, they've really come to enjoy Brother Rob over there too. And, um, but uh, they're a good group of men. You know, pray for them. I really don't know. You know, I've given the gospel um, a number of times. I'm sure Brother Rob has too. And, and uh, you never know mentally if they are, if it's all clicking quite. I'm not saying that rudely. Just uh, they respond uh, when you try to give a form of an invitation. Um, but you never know how much of it is with a full understanding. And so uh, there is an opportunity I believe the Lord has given us there. And uh, pray with us as we continue to minister to those men. We could honestly use another man or two from here. If, that, if they were willing to rotate, it would just be an, it's just not even hardly an hour service. Uh, we usually, I usually just sing a song, maybe two, but usually just one. And then I get right into uh, that which I'm speaking on. But uh, if you would have an interest in that and you'd like... Uh, to be a part of that. That would be a Sunday afternoon just for one hour. We, we start at one o'clock and uh, so for me anyway, it, I don't even have to run home. I just go there right after service and it, it just works right sandwiched with one another. But uh, uh, having another third man or, or potentially fourth man there uh, would be a, a real blessing. If that would be of interest to you, you may not do a lot of other things maybe in the church but that might be something that uh, would, would be of interest to you. So come talk to me afterward if that would be the case. And I know that um, they would be appreciative to have some other men there also. Well, we are in 1 Corinthians 15, continuing our uh, study from this morning. We only made it through half of the chapter this morning, and naturally so. There's so much good stuff in 1 Corinthians 15. It's a wonder we even made it as far along as we did this morning. But um, I'm going to review with you briefly, as I know some of you may or may not have been here. But um, we've been talking together uh, as Paul uh, refers and mentions quite um, uh, specifically and in much detail concerning the resurrection. And uh, remember the, the people of Corinth, uh, some of the, the people within the church, though professing Christians, they did not um, believe in the resurrection of Christ. And so Paul begins uh, this particular portion of the letter uh, by speaking of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ, verse 3 through 4. And we know that to be the definition of the gospel. I, I believe the, the gospel is the good news of Christ. But as I said this morning, let's get specific when we, when we uh, speak the gospel to others. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. If we don't speak, speak of those three things, have we truly shared the gospel? Amen? And uh, so uh, this is what Paul is underlining first. He says, I have received it. You claim to have received it. But having received of the gospel into your life, there should be... Uh, a, a way of living that comes with that. And he talks about that ever-present mindset of the resurrection uh, upon their minds. And, and we talked about this morning how that, 
that should also be our mindset, just the same. And if we continually, each day of our Christian life, live with the mindset of Christ being alive and knowing that he is living today and serving him a risen Savior, how much difference it would make upon our life, but how much impact that would make upon our community, let alone our church. And so uh, we saw this morning that the resurrection is understood through the gospel. And then we looked at how that the resurrection gives us purpose. If, the, if, we didn't, if Christ had not risen from the dead, there would be no purpose in living what uh, the whole world defines as, uh, in different definitions, the Christian life. And remember we talked about this morning how that uh, no matter who you may be, we may have all been uh, raised from a different background of sorts in Christianity. But where the rubber meets the road is what does the Bible say concerning becoming a Christian? Uh, we're not talking about what you've been raised to believe in. We're talking about what does the Bible say concerning uh, how to live the Christian life. And some people define their Christian life by my faithfulness to church. Others define it uh, by I'm reading my Bible. Uh, but there is much more to that uh, according to the Word of God. And this is exactly what Paul is saying, just the same. So the resurrection gives us purpose. It gives us purpose in living. If Christ had not risen from the dead, there would be no purpose in living the Christian life altogether. And then we close this morning by looking at how that the resurrection gives hope to every Christian. And uh, this is not a hope as in I, I hope that it happens, uh, but this is a hope as in a confidence of knowing that uh, what is promised to us in heaven. Look at verse number 20 of chapter 15. The Bible says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. So that sleeping which is referred to here is, uh, is referencing to the fact that yes, Someday our bodies will die upon this earth, but we will not stay dead. And praise God for that. Amen. Those who have received Christ have a promised home and an eternal home in heaven. Look at verse 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And you remember this morning we talked about how that Paul is referring to uh, Jesus Christ as the last Adam. And the first Adam where he was disobedient to the Father, yet we find the last Adam obeying the Father. And where we see the first Adam bringing sin into this world, yet we find the last Adam bringing a, uh, a way of salvation which brings us from this sinful world. And so this is what he's referring to in verse 21 and 22. Look at verse 23, if you would. But every man in his, in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after that they are uh, Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. If you didn't catch already that uh, continual word being used, all. All things are under the control of God. And, and what is being referred to here is what we would know to be that millennium. That thousand years. That's what that word millennium means. And when Christ comes, he will banish sin for that thousand years. He will establish his kingdom. And the Bible tells us in Revelation 20 these things. Let's keep our finger in 1 Corinthians and just turn to Revelations. I'm not going to step um, any further into 
end times prophetic things as any further than Paul is. And maybe at, a, at its appropriate time, we'll look in greater depth at these things with one another. But uh, just so we can scratch the surface and maybe whet your appetite for further study later, Revelation 20 and verse number 1. Of course, we know John to have written this uh, book of the Bible. And he says this, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. There's that millennium. And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and, judgments, and judgment was given unto them. Uh, uh, I'm losing my, train, my focus here. Um, I'll start with verse 4 again. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God in which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And uh, we know from what scripture tells us that, uh, that, we, that, those, that thousand years we will go to be with Christ. And as we just read, there will be that period of time in which Satan is shut up, he is put away, and yet after that time is passed, there will be a small season in which he is released, but it is at that point in time that the enemy, or should we say Satan, will be destroyed. And it is then that we, as we would read the book of Revelation, we know that God in his creation of a new heaven and a new earth, those things will be, uh, um, uh, will be led in, he will lead all his people into. And so this earth will pass away. Keep your, keeping your finger in 1 Corinthians, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and um, let's look at verse number 15. I'm just giving us some further context because the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 talks about uh, us going to be with Christ in heaven and the new body and the new life which we will have with him and that, the changed life which we will have together. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15, the Bible says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him up from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet." And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so we know, as, as we've already said, Christ lives today. And all God's people said, Amen. And we have that confidence of knowing that the life which we have upon this earth is not 
eternal. It is not forever. And yet there are many things that can be enjoyed upon this earth, yet there is so much more to be looked forward to with Christ in heaven. And this is what Paul is referring to. And so now we come in 1 Corinthians 15 to uh, some things that Paul now begins to list off, which will be affected up, upon uh, this resurrection. We know... Um, Christ having risen from the dead, but what now is being referred to is when Christ comes and he returns for all those who are together with him, he will then rise up again, but we will go to be together with him. And all the dead in Christ will come together with him. And do I know the exact specifics, exactly how that would happen? Not anything more than what scripture tells us. We may have assumptions, but we know nothing more than those things. And that is one thing, what, may I say, in just rabbit trail of this, uh, there is no problem and there is nothing wrong with doing a study into end times prophecy and things which are to come. But be careful that uh, the, the people to whom you listen to that are teaching and preaching or even the things that you might read are not taking scripture further than what is told. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, there are a lot of assumptions, a lot of ideas that are out there and especially the internet is full of them. So just be careful. And uh, these things, uh, knowing that we will go together be, to be with Christ, let me be honest with you, that's about all that I can, uh, that, that puts my mind at ease when it concerns the end times prophecy. Now, the, the, at the end of the day, there are many things that are of interest and, and are, are worthy of knowing for the Christian. But at the end of the day, uh, we have nothing else to be concerned about. Uh, we have a promised home in heaven. We'll know that we'll go to be with Christ uh, in heaven. And so... Uh, the caution that I would give to you as your pastor is don't let yourself get too carried away. And it's such an in-depth study. Some Christians can be so studying end times prophecy that they don't study any other portion of scripture. And all they're studying is revelations, prophecy, and reading prophecy of that sort. And, uh, and they miss all the other things that God has for them in scripture. And don't get me wrong, there's so much prophecy found all throughout scripture. Uh, but we can't conclude that scripture uh, or prophecy is the only thing that uh, is to be studied by, uh, by the growing Christian. And so with that being said, we come to these things that are affected by the resurrection. Look at chapter 15 and verse number 29. Verse 29. He says, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? Now I don't know exactly to what Paul's referring to here, but I, I believe he's speaking concerning those who are Christians, those who are baptized for the dead, those who are reaching the lost. And uh, what he says here is concerning the matter of evangelism, that if Christ is dead, there would be no point in even witnessing. There would be no point in evangelism. And so th these are questions which he's bringing, not because he doesn't know the answer, but he's trying to help them to understand, hey, uh, th these things would not be possible for those of you, and he's, he's speaking to the church at Corinth, for those of you who don't believe in the resurrection, these things uh, wouldn't even be necessary any longer. It would be purposeless, as we talked about this morning. Look at verse 30. He speaks concerning suffering. He says, And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. If but after the manner of men I have fought the beasts at Ephesus, what advantage uh, it is? What advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And uh, take note of the fact in verse 30 through 32, he says, I die daily. He's not speaking of a daily dying as we would find in another passage of Scripture in the sense that he's dying to self. He's literally referring to the matter of persecution. And, he, and he's talking about this matter of suffering. And that's why he talks about... Um, 
those things which happened in Ephesus and, 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 and a literal death taking place here. And so he says if, if there was no future uh, for uh, the Christian, if the resurrection did not take place, then uh, why, why would Christians, why is suffering uh, even serving any purpose? What is the cause in it? Is there really fellowship of his suffering in the end? Uh, in the, as he tells us in the book of Ephesians, that we are to find fellowship within it. And the Christian will always face that persecution and that suffering uh, but th there, again there would be no purpose. We see again that he brings out this matter of separation from sin. He says in verse 33 through, ver through verse 34 be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And it would seem that some of the Christians rejected the resurrection in order to rationalize their sin. Uh, that knowing that Christ, uh, in, in their opinion, had not risen from the dead, so therefore it exempted them and it gave them the ability to do the things which they wanted to do. And of course we find in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians though, some of those sins which the church was giving themselves into and blatantly in the eyes of God. And I believe Paul is making the reference to this, to the fact that uh, part of the reason why it was so blatant was because they didn't even believe in the resurrection of Christ. They weren't even holding that to validity. And yet Paul is trying to turn their minds to an understanding of what the Word of God says concerning this matter, and not just simply their own opinion and belief, or even their own tradition for that matter, as we would know that many of the, these people of the church were Greeks and, and others alike. And so uh, this was that more of that reason for why they did not believe in the resurrection. Look at verse 49. He refers to the matter of death. And he says, As we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That is to say, our bodies on this earth will not go up with Christ in heaven. Neither doth corruption inherit corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. Uh, this is a mystery, something which is, uh, is not uh, uh, known. It is to be revealed. He's revealing something to them. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. That's a worthy marking verse in your Bible. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, when Christ returns, the Bible tells us our bodies will become like his body. And praise the Lord for that. Uh, the dead believers, the Bible tells us, will be raised with new glorified bodies. Now, again, I don't know the exact specifics of this, but we, and we'll look at this in just a second. Some of the people of Corinth were questioning this very fact too. Before we look at any further on that, let's just keep our finger here. I want to bring you to another cross-reference in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3, and let's look at verse number 1. 1 John 3, and verse number 1 through 3. The Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. 
Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And so we find uh, not just Paul, but even John referring to this, this fact that we shall be like him. Now, look at verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 15. The Bible says, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool. This is Paul speaking to them, calling them fools. That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And so we find them reasoning that the resurrection of the human body was an impossibility. And it is Paul that now from this point forward, from verse 36, and up until as we began earlier, into verse 46 or so, those next 10 verses, he begins to explain to them and gives them some analogies to understand what uh, what is meant by our bodies being raised to be with Christ in heaven. And so look at verse 37. The first of those analogies, we find him uh, describing it as seeds um, in, in verse 37. In that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. Uh, it, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. And so when we consider a seed, when you plant a seed, uh, you don't expect uh, that seed to be seen again at harvest time. What happens to that seed? It actually dies and it is transformed into a new body. Okay? It is Paul who's using this as an, uh, to give them understanding. And of course, many of them would have been farmers at this time and so would have well understood that to which he was referring to. Keep your finger in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. Let me turn you to John chapter 12. I know we're doing a bit of turning today, but um, I like to bring you to the passage uh, when we have the time to do it, to bring you to the passage so you can see it and um, so that you can understand what the Word of God says about these things. John 12, verse 23. John 12, verse 23. The Bible says, And Jesus answering them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but this, uh, for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then, they, th then came their voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the Bible tells us of Jesus also using an illustration referring to this matter of the seed. Uh, look at verse 42, verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15. We're getting some teaching here and analogies from Paul on what he means by our, the, the, the dead in Christ rising first. Okay, Verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. And so uh, the, the body... So the bodies which are upon this earth will not be as, uh, as it was. They will not be the same bodies. As he already said, flesh and blood 
will not <laughs> go to be with Christ. Uh, so do I know the exact specifics of that? No, I do not. But the Bible does tell us that the dead in Christ shall rise first and that uh, the bodies of those will go to be with Christ, but yet in a new body. Um, again, as we, as we think of that analogy of a seed uh, uh, being planted, but yet what comes up is something different. So uh, we think of the, those graves being open and that which is coming up is something different. I don't know anything more than that than what Scripture tells us. But it's pretty, uh, it is pretty interesting to, to think upon. Um, the Bible speaks of those uh, which are buried and, and uh, again, uh, those which will be given a new nature. Look at verse 44. The Bible says, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. And so mankind is made in the image of God in personality and in the image uh, of Adam in body. What he is saying is, when uh, in our physical bodies, we have inherited a sin nature. We have corruption. Our bodies will decay. They will, uh, they will pass away. They will not last. But in Christ, we have a new body, which will last for all eternity. And all God's people said, Amen. And so let's look at verse number 46. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual, the first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As in the earthy, such are also they that are earthy. And as in the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. So we find there is a first birth giving us that which is natural, but the second birth that w which is giving to us the spiritual. And again, he, he, sometimes Paul in the way in he, which he expresses things, if you read it too fast, you miss that which he is saying. And could Paul be alluding to more than this? Very, very possibly so. I'm not saying I'm the, the uh, complete understander of all of these things. Uh, but he is talking about prophetic things. And, and it would seem as he talks about that first and that second birth, as we find in other passages of Scripture, the Bible tells us that we are to be born again. Right? And so there is a new life in Christ. Uh, the old man has passed away. We now have a new life in Christ. And he's making reference to this not only in a spiritual way, but also in a very physical way. Okay? Our bodies will pass away. We now have a new life and or a new body with Christ that is promised to us in heaven. And so the first analogy was found in that concerning seeds. The second is concerning flesh. Look at verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. Now remember the argument. Because as he said already, just previously, there, there were those within the church at Corinth which were reasoning amongst themselves and saying, how can the old bodies become new? How is that even possible? And so Paul's giving these analogies to help them to understand. And now what he speaks of is concerning flesh itself. He says, if God can create a different body for birds and for fish and for mankind and all other animals, how could he not and why would he not, how would he not be able to create a new body for those who receive him and receive salvation? And so uh, he talks about uh, a literal flesh and how that God uh, is able to do all and he is, he is in all and above all. And uh, he is able to give us a different kind of body. So that's what we have to understand when the Bible speaks of our, uh, the dead in Christ rising. It's not uh, of the, this, it, it cannot be compared to our bodies upon this earth. 
Do I know what they'll look like? Everything? I don't know, okay? Will you have the same mustache or beard that you have? I don't know that, okay? But, but we know that we have a new body, praise the Lord, amen? And we know that there's no more pain and no more suffering and that there'll be no more sorrow. And we have all that Christ has promised to us in heaven. And so now he speaks concerning heavenly bodies as an analogy. He, he doesn't just bring of those earthly bodies and animals and, and, and mankind, but now he speaks of the heavenly. Look at verse 40. He says, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one. And the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. And, and I believe he's referring to the very fact that in heaven, yes, we'll receive a new body, but they will not all be the same. Like on this earth, there is difference, differences in our bodies, so they will be the same in heaven. And they will, they will be in likeness in the image of God, but they will not be uh, in, in, uh, in every specific detail concerning that actual body, if that, if that is clear enough for you. Uh, Wearsby put it this way when in my study, Warren Wearsby, he said that the new body will receive, uh, uh, we will receive will be unlike our present body in quality. Our new body will be used to serve the, the glory of God for all eternity. And so he speaks concerning that matter of, our, of the quality of it. Um, so we think of our bodies and, and, and how that uh, they are being used upon this earth. And, and that promise that we are given by God of what new body we will have to be with the Lord in heaven. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians and turn to chapter 6. Uh, you're keeping in chapter 15. Turn to chapter 6. And look at verse 13. Remember, in chapter 6, he referred to our earthly bodies. Now, in, in chapter 15, he's talking about the new bodies, which we are to have with Christ. But chapter 6, he speaks of our earthly bodies. And I bring you to this passage because uh, what we do with our, our, what we do now with our earthly bodies should be with a mindset of knowing that we will someday obtain a new body. And it should affect the way that we live with our current body, which we are living with today. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 13. Meats for the belly and belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, uh, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will, raise also, uh, and will also raise up us by his own power. And so, what do these verses mean? The Bible tells us that our body is to be used for the glory of God. Remember, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It, it, what we do with our body upon this earth is not uh, our body and our body alone, but as a Christian, we are doing what we do with a body where the Holy Spirit dwells. And so that's why he concludes chapter 15 with a very uh, known verse, but a verse which concerns our earthly bodies. He says, therefore... Okay. Again, we bring it, when we see the word therefore, we ask ourselves, what is the therefore, therefore? Okay. And we know what it is therefore because he's referring to the bodies. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. And we looked at this verse this morning. It's not in our work, but in what? In the work of the Lord. Or, and could I add a, a caveat there? In the work of the Lord with your body. Okay. Be... Be all of these things with your body in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And nothing we do for God will ever be wasted and lost. Our labor, we, we know from what scripture tells us, is not in vain. And so, uh, 
I believe that when you would take, when you would read, it's, it's hard maybe so much when we're just looking at one chapter, but when you read the entirety of 1 Corinthians and you bring the thought process of Paul all the way up to this point, he's saying everything that I'm trying to teach you to do and what not to do is for this very reason that you would be all of these things and understand that even in the times when you, when you feel discouraged, even in the times when you're persecuted, even in the times which you feel unable to do it, yet remember that your labor is not in vain. God will reward those who seek to give their lives to Him and serve Him to the best of their ability. And, and uh, that which we do upon this earth, so our body is worn on this earth from having worked in the labor of God. But what a privilege that is. Amen? Because this body will pass away. But we will obtain and receive a new body to be together with Christ. You know, again, we talk about those new bodies with Christ. And so many questions can be asked and are asked concerning those things. We always want to know the exact details. And for some people, uh, they won't uh, believe anything until they know all the details. But what we should know and what we should be able to conclude is, is the very fact that God promises all those who receive him an eternal home in heaven. Amen? And that all those who receive him will receive a new body. And that that resurrection day will be a, uh, a tremendous day. It will be an amazing day. And, uh, and really will be a day that if we are privileged in our earthly bodies to see, it will be a, quite an amazing thing, I believe. And to, that the Bible speaks of the dead in Christ rising first. You know those verses uh, I have used in, when speaking at a funeral and that sort of thing. And is, it is to be of great hope to know that even those who we, who we have known on this earth who have passed... That we'll, go to be, we'll see them with Christ. But not just that. They will be with Christ when he returns. That's a wonderful thought to think about. We'll see them together with our Lord. And what, what a wonderful thing that is. And so, uh, praise the Lord for his salvation. Amen? Praise the Lord for his resurrection. If Christ was not alive today, if we didn't serve a risen Savior, we might as well shut the church down, sell the building, and, and not, go, not even worry about religion. Because uh, it would all be in vain. It would all be pointless. This is exactly what Paul says in the entirety of this chapter. What, uh, whatever uh, the Christian life is defined as, he says, we know what it is defined of and as in Scripture. So don't base your way of living the Christian life upon your religion or your denomination, should we say, or your religious background or how your parents have raised you. Base it upon the Christian life. Uh, or the, the Bible, and the, what the Bible says concerning the Christian life, and how to live the Christian life. It's, it's not about uh, the things of this earth. It's what God has for us. Amen? May God help us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises that are found in it. We thank you that we have a hope in knowing